Hi, I'm Officer Phil Ritchie, and this is my canine partner, Raider. We are police officers for the Alpharetta Department of Public Safety and work in community outreach and drug prevention. Now, you'll have to excuse me while I go listen to my good friend and Raider's Godfather's podcast, Cadillac Jack, my second act. My name is Cadillac Jack. I joined Atlanta Radio when I was 19 years old. I put in a loyal 26 years until July 2019. I was fired. So welcome to my second act. And my name is Donna and I'm Caddy's wife. And you know what? I am convinced right now that you and I could go take this vacant seat for the Royals. You know, they've, they've given it up. So I, th- I think we can do that. I think that's our next, along with podcasting, I think we could go and apply with the Queen. Be part of the royal so family. You'd be, you'd be Princess Donna. Yes. And I'd be Prince Caddy. Prince Caddy. Because they need people to do that. Because they're moving to Canada. I think or they're Ithaca gonna, or somewhere. They're going to split their time between London and North America. But I don't know that they've said where in North America yet. But we've talked about this. Can you just step step away from being a royal? Can you do that? I don't know if you can. I don't know the protocol. I'm sure the protocol is that you can't. However, if you're if you don't want to live that life and and be under the microscope and be hounded by the press, you know, Prince Harry's been very open about his disgust for the British media. I think the Queen's mad. I think she is as well. But you know, Meghan Markle. People are trying to pin Meghan Markle for it, and I have read that the British experts or, you know, the people that they call on to discuss the Royal family are saying that actually this has Prince Harry's fingerprint all over it. I I totally agree. I think, I totally agree. I think that he's like ready to move into a normal, whatever a normal life is. You know what I mean? And he's talking about working with Oprah. How cool is that? What was your hype song? My hype song was, by uh, my post Malone, post Malone circles. Yeah. I listen. Oh. I know you don't like Posty, but I I feel like he just needs a hug and a bath. But yeah, I mean, he, he definitely needs a bath. A shower. Yeah, he needs a shower. <laughs> but I think he just needs a hug. You know. But I do love his music, so I was listening to Circles. What about you? My hype song on the way into the studio today was courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue by Toby Keith. Oh, that's a and great here's why. song. We're having to have conversations around our dinner table right now about war. Yeah. We are having to have conversations right now at the dinner table on three different levels with our son, Will, who is 20, our daughter, Olivia, 16, Charlotte is 13. We're talking selective service with Will. There's a lot of questions about that. Olivia, who's at Cambridge and on a criminal justice track, there's much discussion in her classes about it. Right. And and she's she's taking more of kind of like a... Um you know, like an analytical approach to it. And and they're really, and I appreciate the fact that Cambridge has such a great justice and law program. Dr. Washburn and, and um, Mr. Hart just do a great job with that program. But they're, they're really kind of walking them through, you know, all the different scenarios. And, and so it's making her very thoughtful about it and, and kind of analytical and looking through it. And then Charlotte you know, I think it's it causes anxiety in younger kids, and and because they're you know you try to shield them from like the nightly news or what people are talking about, but you know I think that they have a lot of questions, and you and I can't necessarily answer them, you know, with any certainty. So, and a lot of her anxiety comes from TikTok too, because yeah. that's trending. 
TikTok or the war? The war. On, you know, all the kids are doing videos about being drafted. And what, on what? TikTok? Yeah. Okay. That's what I've heard. Here again, fake news. <laughs> was, it's time to the, step away no, from the TikTok. It's like, it's like one of the one of the you know, say like a girl will put two of her friends and and use a green screen or something and put them in a tank and they're jamming to the wobble or something in the tank and everything about that statement right. is so wrong. <laughs> Wobbling tanks, TikTok. Anyway, I think you know the one thing that we think about all the time, and you and I've talked about is. Um, the families, the military families, you know, people who are brothers, sisters, parents, um, you know, children of military families right now, just what they must be, talk about anxiety, just what they must be going through. You know, right now, Olivia's driving. She just started driving. She just turned 16. And when she drove up to the Publix the other day, it took her 10 minutes to get there. And I'm watching her the whole time, you know, on this Life 360 app and worried about her. But imagine going to bed at night and having a spouse or a parent or a child who is involved, you know, in military service, and you have no idea, you know, where they are, if they're safe, um, what's going on. I just, you know, I think we, if you have someone in your community that you know is a military family, you almost need to really wrap your arms around them right now because, um, Along with our uncertainty, I know they have, I, I just, I can't, I really just can't imagine, you know, having that in the back of your mind. Very scary. Very scary times. If your toes didn't curl when you saw the video of the missiles on their way to the U.S. military bases in Iraq, check your pulse. Right. If you can take out an Iranian general who's nothing but bad, number one in the Iranian military, why would you not? Why would you not decide Kasim Soleimani? His last name sounds like a pair of shoes. Well, they're not, but yeah. He doesn't need him anymore. Got his feet blown off and everything. Just very scary times. And that's who I think about. I I do. I mean, no matter what side of the, you know, of the discussion you stand on, it's not really what, what I, you know, the focus too is just on all of those men and women who are so courageous, who go out there every day and are literally putting their lives on the line so that we can, you know, have our freedom. And it just cannot be overlooked, you know, that sacrifice. And, and again, the sacrifice that those families are making, you know, not having them home. And rather than a post on social media or a text message. If you are close to a family who right now is living a life of uncertainty, even, you know, more, more so than anybody right now, maybe pick up the phone. Maybe this warrants a phone call, just a quick phone call. So they can hear your voice and they can hear your concern and support. Courtesy of the red, white, and blue, Toby Keith, crank that one up when we get done. We want to continue to encourage you to leave messages um, for the show, and you can possibly hear your message on upcoming episodes of Cadillac Jack, my second act, on future episodes of the show. The number, I'll give it to you twice, 770-464-6024, 770 770- 
646-464-6024. That number is also all over my social media at ATL Cadillac on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, leave messages or you can even text in if you'd like. Yeah, join the show. Join the conversation. So if there's something that we've talked about that, you know, you also have experienced or you think we're crazy or, or you think he's crazy, not me, of course. But, you know, just call us. Let us know. We want you, you know, we want this show, even though it is a podcast, we want it to be very interactive and we want to talk to you. And we love all the people who've reached out on social media. Again, cannot thank you enough for all your kind comments, your great five star ratings for the podcast and just your overall support. It means the world to us. And um, we do not take it for granted. And we want you to be a part of everything that we're doing here. So yes, please call, leave messages, ask us questions. If there's anything you want to know, we're going to try to answer one or two questions every podcast. So nothing's off limits. So ask away. Hey, Cadillac Jack. How did you deal with leaving the company after 26 years and no fanfare, no goodbye, no opportunity to uh, say goodbye and tell your friends how much you appreciate them throughout the years? That is Marta Strong, who was my high school secretary. She was a secretary to the principal. Oh, I bet you saw a lot of her. <laughs> I did the announcements every morning and every afternoon in high school. And so I was always able to sneak out of class and be out of class because I had an excuse. Even if it wasn't anywhere near announcement time, people just didn't question what you were doing. They didn't question me about anything. So I would go into Mr. Carraway's office, our principal. I just bypassed Marta. She was Marta Eisenhower. When I was there, um, and Mr. Carraway used to call me the mouth of the South. How about that? Back in uh, my freshman through senior years in high school. Um, so thank you, Mama S, as I used to call her, Mama I, back in the day, for uh, for your loyalty and your friendship and 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 your question. You know, when you are let go from broadcasting, whether it's radio or television, the, the the golden rule is there's no goodbye. Because as Marta said there, it listen, the school doesn't, the radio station didn't shut down. St. Stephen's High School didn't shut down the day that, that, that Marta left. And you have to come to the terms of that, that life does go on. Your job does go on. And, and someone else is doing it. Yeah, I think that's one of the hardest things. Like when you leave a job, especially a job that you've been at for, you know, 26 years, any amount of time, there's that kind of period where you're like, they're not going to be able to go on without me. You know what I mean? Like, how are they going to survive? How, you know, how are they going to do it? And you know what? They always do. Not always better, but they always do. But um, I think we talked about it in in our first episode too, that that's one of the toughest things about radio and what happened. And it's not exclusive to you. It's happened to many people. Most know, everybody. Most everybody. In any market. Yeah. When they've, when they've left there's or been no let goodbye. go, there's, there's just no, no goodbye. No I think part of it is they're afraid that they, you would go on the air. Maybe people did a long time ago at some point before the it FCC. Could, I think now it could be recorded. It could be pre-recorded, like a pre-recorded goodbye, right? And it could be yeah. approved by legal. It could be approved by your market manager. It could be approved by your program director. So I think that there are ways around that. I do think, Donna, you're correct that back in the day, there were probably people that you know. <laughs> listen, we're going to let you say goodbye, like Les Nesman days at WKRP in Cincinnati, and, and, <laughs> yeah. and you go, you know, you go in there, and and the jock like Johnny Fever all of a sudden just unleashes on the company and the radio station, or so. But th- there's a ways around that now. 
to make sure that that wouldn't, wouldn't happen. When I celebrated my 25th anniversary at the radio station, which is a quarter century, and that was Big um, deal. it was last year, I guess. Yeah, it was last uh, last May. I wondered if anybody knew, and I wasn't going to say anything because I didn't. I didn't expect anything, but for 25 years of service, you would think that there'd at least be something a certificate that somebody bought at Office Depot and filled out for 25 years of loyal service didn't happen. There wasn't an email to everyone, you know, that worked in our cluster. Corey Dillon, my co-host at the time did a very nice toast, a very kind and sincere toast to me on the morning show that morning outside of that though, there was no mention. Now there was a personality in the building who was celebrating his second year at this particular station who got a parade and a live broadcast and bands. And, um, I read. Yeah, that's not good. Well, but I'll say that. Remember when we, okay. So remember when Disney owned, cause there's different, been different ownerships of the stations through the years. Originally when we first started, um, kicks was owned by cap cities, a company, and then ABC as in ABC news and network, which was really cool. And then Disney bought us. I remember the morning I went down to get the AJC, the paper. And it was, I mean, that store when Disney bought ABC and we were ABC employees, there was no heads up about that. I remember walking back up the driveway Top fold, front fold of the AJC, and it's all bold. You know, Disney buys ABC. And we were so excited. We were. We knew. And uh, we, a great we, company. We'll have to talk about that on another episode. But, I mean, we got, like, free double strollers. We got 50% <laughs> off in going through the gate. It was awesome. I mean, we got to do broadcasts with Disney. It was really cool. But my point to this was when you would celebrate an anniversary with Disney – you remember they would give you a really cool like Jiminy Cricket mm-hmm. pin or something. And it sounds kind of hokey, but it actually was really cool because these were like one of a kind pins. And so they really celebrated it. I think, you know, as my, as things go, it was sold again. And then the current owners sort of were, they didn't really care as much about celebrating anniversaries. Well, you were a red line number. You were a red line. Yeah. But you also have a day. You know, you do have a, um, it comes up in March, but you do, you have a key right. to the city. Well, I don't have a key to the city. But you have a proclamation. There is well, a Cadillac Jack Day. There is a Cadillac Jack Day in the city of Atlanta every year. We got to find out what that means and do something with that. Like, I want Baton Bob going down like the streets and Peach like tree. a band and okay. like, yeah. I want to go back to Marta. Oh. Um, well, my secretary, the principal secretary when I was in high school, I worked at an AM station. W-I-R-C, 630 country. And Marta had wanted to try radio. I was 15 at the time. Marta was a little older. Okay. But she got in the door at W-I-R-C. And, you know, she was doing different things. And I had an afternoon uh, show from like five to seven. And so I would see Marta at the radio station and she'd be filing and, and working and, you know, they'd be teaching things. And I, I'm not sure I taught her some things as well. And she was so excited because she got to record a public service announcement that we were going to air on the radio station. And she was so excited and it was going to air during my show. It was on a cart. Okay. We're going back now. That's way this back. This was in commercial, you know, commercials and even music came in on like carts, which looked like eight tracks. Eight track tapes. 
And they, they would all be stacked on the wall in the studio. And so when you wanted to run Jim Bob's mattress commercial, you would have to know the cart number. You go and you'd it. go over to the wall and literally pull the cart out, which again, looked like an eight track tape and plug it in and play the spot. We are going back way back. I'm looking through the studio window at Marta in the office, leaning down, listening to a radio on someone's desk. And I hit play on the cart machine and the PSA played. And then I had queued up the sound of a toilet flushing. And at the very end of Marta's PSA, I hit the toilet flushing on the air. And you should have seen. (laughs) She probably freaked out. I thought it was fun. I meant, it all in fun. Right. But that was her first, that was a big, you know, that was the first time she was on the radio. Yes. You know, at 32, Marta at the time, you want someone that's going to dig in deep. Somebody that's going to say to you, listen, I know what was wrong with your listing. Let me help with your listing. There was a lot of stuff missing on your MLS. Uh, Let's talk about your photos to maximize a buyer's first impressions. You can score. 18% 18% more money while selling your home when you partner with Tracy Cousineau, real estate expert advisors. Tracy does not call the sellers that work with her, real estate agents. They're expert advisors on real estate. Tracy Cousineau, real estate expert advisors. A proven system that will get your home sold. I follow Tracy Cousineau on Facebook. You should too. Publishes her latest listings over the weekend. Saw one at Powder Springs when I was a uh, Checking around on Facebook, Peachtree Corners, one in Crooked Creek here in Milton. Beautiful private Decula property on eight acres on New Hope. TracyCousineau.com. That's cousin with an E-A-U because you know she's going to sell your home. TracyCousineau.com. And that's where I really began my career. I was Rocky Raccoon. I dressed up <laughs> like a damn raccoon. I love this When story. I was in high school. And I would go. We had a, a rock sister station. 95.7 WXRC The Rock. And so... And this is in where? Charlotte? Uh, well, we pretended to be a Charlotte station. Okay. But we were in Hickory. Okay. Which is, you know, about 45, 50 miles outside of Charlotte. Right. And so they had the AM WIRC and they had the rock station WXRC. And so, listen, when you want something bad enough, you're going to do whatever it takes. And so for me, it was washing the station vans. For me, it was being Rocky Raccoon in a hot, sweaty, you know, listen, this wasn't like Disney costumes today where you had air conditioning and ventilation. Rocky had not been washed. Ew. And I mean, since the day he arrived in a box at the Ew. radio station and it smelled and you, I remember being at a, uh, under the big peach in Gaffney uh, oh for gosh. an event and it was a rock festival or something. And it was just blazing hot and kids kick you. <laughs> you know, you, well, you see these suits now that are being filed by the Disney characters oh, yeah. for groping and all that kind of stuff. It, it happens. Yeah. Now, I was 16, 17, 18. I encouraged it. Oh, gosh. Okay. All right. But Rocky smelled. But again, you did whatever whatever it took. And so from that, it evolved into I did 4 to 6 a.m. on the rock station. Four, okay, wait. 4 a.m. Yes, to when, 6 a.m. When I was 15 years old. and Who took you there? Mother. Grammy did. Grammy drove you to the rock station a at public, four in the morning. Yes, it was a you know, my mother my entire life was a public high uh, public school teacher, and I told her that I wanted to do this because it was a great opportunity to at fifteen years old to be on a hundred thousand watt FM rock station, right? And the agreement after much pleading and and pitching my case, mother said Grammy said, you know what? If your grades do not suffer, 
I'll continue to do this for you. So yes, Grammy would take me to the radio station, drop me off at four. She'd go back home. We, you know, it's Hickory, North Carolina. We were maybe 10 minutes in the radio station. She'd come back, pick me up at six. Wow. Take me back home. She'd go on to West Alexander Middle School to teach. And then you would go I would go to the bus stop. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that about her, that she saw that this was like, I mean, she really may have gotten your spark started. You know what I mean? In radio, because if she had not agreed to drive you, you would have missed that opportunity. I had a radio station in my basement when I was a kid. I knew broadcasting in some way was what I wanted to do, whether television, whether radio. And I've been blessed to have done both through the years. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I love. I mean, so many things that I love about you. But that's one of the things that I love the most about you is you have such, I, I, I have loved this story for so long because there are so few people who truly have a passion at a very young age and then make it happen. You know, I mean, I know there are a lot of people that do that, but it's, I'm, I'm always so um, amazed by people who genuinely know at such an early age, this is what I want to do and then achieve, achieve it, you know, and, and you literally have, you have, you know, people ask you all the time, like, how did you get in radio? I mean, you, the spark of it started probably in the Rocky Raccoon suit, but you know, you always knew that this was what you wanted to do. From there are really. lots of sparks that started in the Rocky Raccoon suit. That's it. Yeah. I don't want to talk about that. I went to Western Carolina University when I graduated high school in Cullowee. Go Cats. There's probably a whole show dedicated to that. <laughs> well, and I was there for maybe, I think I, well, I was there two years, but I had, I was still in the system classified as a freshman because I pledged Teak, Talk Kappa Epsilon, Zeta Omicron chapter. And that I was, that kind of took over the studies. I was asked, I was asked not to return. To the Teaks or to the school? No, are you kidding me? I'm still on the run. I'm, I'm 544. My dad, who's a legacy, my dad at Western was a Teak and he was, he's scrolling over 84. So the school said and I'm 544. Well, I knew that the school was going to ask me not to return. And so I had a friend of mine that I worked with at the rock station who, uh, big Steve Stewart, he's Zeus now does right. voiceovers for CNN and movie trailers and all this kind of stuff. And he was in Myrtle beach with, um, a friend of ours at a radio station. And he called me in the dorm one night. Now there weren't cell phones back in these days. He called me on my phone in the dorm. He's like, Hey kid blemish. That's what he called me from my high school. Kid blemish. Yeah, that's what he called me. Cause I had bad acne when I was in high school. Oh, Big Steve's an ass, but I love him, you know, and he still is an ass. So, uh, I can't blemish everything's going. And he has a voice you can't even imagine. And I was like, ah, Steve, you know, I don't think my balls are dropped yet. I'm like, I don't know, Steve. I, you know, I think that I wonder, you know, what, I don't know what's going to happen here. And he said, I got a gig for you. And so I moved to Myrtle Beach, which my mother was not happy about. I can the imagine. Agreement there was, I had to enroll at Coastal Carolina University, home of the Chanticleers. To kind of keep it going. To keep my 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 education going. That was very important to her, my mom that I get a college education. Well, yes. She's always been in education. So what was the format of the station in Myrtle Beach? Uh, country. Country oh, okay. 93.9. Okay. WJXY. And it was on a dirt road in a trailer, mobile home in Conway, South Carolina, about 15 minutes outside of Myrtle Beach. And you had everything traded. My apartment was traded. My meals were traded. My tires were traded. Any car work I needed done because I was making about $11,000 a year. We got to explain to people what that because I, I worked in radio in Boston and we had trade too. And we were joking about this the other day that I, we ate at the same restaurant. Yes. 
literally food every trade. day for 365 days because we had food trade. And what that means is, you know, if an advertiser would come on, instead of paying all in cash, they would pay in like goods and services. So if it was your apartment, they would trade for rent. But what people don't understand, it sounds great and it is great, but it's usually you're not making hardly any money. So it's in lieu of getting a raise. Uh, well, you know? It reflects in your salary. <laughs> exactly. That you get a traded apartment. So I was enrolled as a Coastal Carolina Chanticleer for 20 minutes because at the time, Coastal didn't have dorms. They do now. But it was a commuter. Nothing, kind of like KSU back in the day. It started as a commuter school. Right. Um, and so I drove on to the, the campus the first day of class. And I kept driving around, driving around. I couldn't find a parking spot. Oh, I, kept, I mean, this story is just crazy. I kept driving around, driving around. I did I did three laps around campus, and I couldn't find a parking spot. And I left, and I never returned. Okay. You have told the story. Never withdrew. To our kids. Never turned in my books. Yeah. It and is, lied to my mama. That's for about the a worst. Year. That's the worst part of the story. You Wait. Okay. So you told Grammy that you were still enrolled. Well, I mean, I was outed at some point by the university because. You, you know, weren't getting grades or. Right. Yeah. What were you doing with her tuition? Well, she paid it directly oh, okay. to the school. But she, had to Coastal old, Carolina. but she had big credit. I didn't go back and get anything though. I just He's I left. drove off the campus and I said, you know what? It's just I'm just, this is I just don't want to do this. It's just not for you. So I drove to the radio station and spent the day there. Lived at the radio station that at, 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 in Myrtle Beach. Lived because I was young. I was 18 years old, I guess, 19 years old at the time. And then um I applied for the job at Kicks. And was hired to do crying, loving, or leaving. The first time that I ever had flown is when, at the time, ABC flew me from Myrtle Beach to Atlanta, which is like 25 minutes. But I'd never flown before. Well, it's 25 minutes, but it's a million years in in the difference between going from a market like Myrtle Beach to Atlanta. I mean, you're talking about a top 10 market, you know, and that those opportunities, so hard to get. And so, crying and love and leaving, you were going to do you were doing nights, right? Seven to midnight. It kicks, and yeah. I get uh, collect calls from Jackson Diagnostic Prison. I still hear today from some of the prisoners that I played songs for. What did, what would they want to hear? Like back on crying. Uh, back then, it was John Michael Montgomery. I swear, it uh, was sending it out. Doa. To- it was yeah, and and we had reel to reel pancake tape that you had. again. Here we go, kids. We're going back. We had you know reel to reel tape. Yeah, it wasn't done digitally. Like all phone calls, not radio stations are recorded digitally on computer systems and edited digitally. Back then, you had a razor blade, you had a grease pencil, and you had some splice tape, and you had to make your marks. That's like MacGyver. Oh, you would be in there just cutting tape all night because I was doing a request show. You know, just you know, like like a chef with a set of knives. But that's where it um, began here. In Atlanta, and and I remember flying back to Myrtle Beach that night after the interview, and Bob Chrysler, who was over Z93 here in Atlanta before he left and started his own station in Myrtle Beach, um, I remember I flew back, and I said, they offered me the job. And he's like, sit down for a second. He was like, are you sure? Donna, he says to me, are you sure this is kicks in Atlanta? Yeah. Or is this a station in Rome or Athens or Griffin? Is this Moby in the morning station? Oh, yeah. And I said, yes, Mr. Chrysler, it is. And I think he he, he, he would have known that because he, when he was the general manager of Z93, he was competing against. Well, it just shows that, again, like to, to move from a market the size of Myrtle Beach to Atlanta without making another stop along the way is just not done a lot, you know? 
So tell the story about, so you get here and you sign your contract, but how old are you? You're, you're... I was 19 when the contract was signed with Norm Schrutt. Norman Schrutt. Who's such a big part of our lives. Has always been a rabbi to me, through good and bad, when he was an agent that I was paying to times when he served as an agent and I wasn't paying him. Yeah, I would just, just get, he was like a, you know, I would always lean on Norm to get advice. He, he rolled the dice on a 19 year old kid. And I can't help but think that ABC was like, now wait a minute. Yeah. You got 300 applications. You got 300 tapes and resumes for this position. And you're going to go with a 19 year old kid. Isn't and, it, isn't it interesting how people show up in moments in your life? And you, you don't really know why or what it means, but, you know, to go full circle, Norm hired you. He, we both worked for him. He was our GM at the station. And then later when he got out of that and became an agent, he was an agent for you for a time. And then he's just been a great sounding board over what we've been going through for the past year. And I just, it's just interesting to me how different people, you know, show up in different stories of your life, but you were not old enough to sign your contract. And that was revealed about 10 years later that a contract like that, you had to be 21 years old to execute it. And so legally, my mother or father should have signed my first contract. So my first contract with ABC and the kicks wasn't really was null and void. Right. Didn't know it until after the fact. And it wouldn't have made a difference. But ABC dropped the ball on that one. Yeah. Because the contract wasn't valid. So you're in Atlanta. How, how much money are you making? Do you remember? I do. $25,000. It's pretty good for a night gig. Yeah, but your first check goes to your post apartment on Terrell Mill. Your next right. check goes to your Suzuki sidekick four-door. Right. And so you live on pancakes for lunch, breakfast, and dinner. And that's why I think, Donna, so many people can say, I've done radio. I did radio. A yeah. lot of people did radio, but it was so difficult to make a career of it because you start until you make it to a major market and on a very large station, the, the, the pay is obscene. Yeah. Especially now with these conglomerates and voice tracking and yeah. syndication, there's not many jobs available anymore. Back then though, I remember Norm in his office that day that I flew here to Atlanta. I'm going to pay you $25,000 a year. I was making eleven five, Donna, in Myrtle Beach. I about fell out of the chair. Yeah, that's big. I big was time. like twenty five thousand dollars and health insurance and health. Well, yeah, and but yes, and health. All listen, ABC, Disney, the benefits these companies offered back in the day were fantastic, and so twenty five thousand dollars goes quick. Yeah, so you're you're okay. So you and here's the thing too, like back in the day, like nights. An afternoon was kind of like the farm team. If you think of it like a baseball, you know, team, like they were the farm team for hopefully your whole goal was to get to mornings and it could take a long time. And for most people, it would take four or five moves along the way. But for most people and not necessarily, you know, now, like if, if you wanted to go back and do an afternoon shift because you just wouldn't have to get up so early, it's different. But I mean, back in the day at your age doing nights, the goal was to get to morning drive somehow, some way. And Moby was in morning drive and was, he wasn't going nowhere. He wasn't going anywhere. Cause he was, <laughs> it was at the height of his popularity and rhubarb was on the other country station. And you talk about just two 
really legend. Solid. Solid broadcasters who were really, really kind to you and were instrumental in, a, and again, in a lot of different places in your life. You know, Rhubarb was a, a really big help to you in certain areas and, and Moby as well. But I love the story about when Moby invited you over for dinner. You got to tell that. Oh. I moved to Atlanta, didn't have 50 cents. I, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I didn't have 50 cents in my pocket. I drove into town in my Suzuki sidekick four-door that was Hunter Green with my cat, Pooter Petfarkin. And I didn't know that 285 was a circle. I didn't know anything about the city. So I had met Moby, and Moby said, I want to have you over to Moby Manor. And at the time, he was married to Kelly, yeah, to Jonah's mother. Yes. And he had this huge mansion on the Chattahoochee River. Again, I knew nothing about the layout of the city of Atlanta. And at the time, I was probably over in the Cobb Cloverleaf area near SunTrust Park because that's where Kix was, Interstate yeah. North, next to the big Marriott yeah. there at the, the Cobb Cloverleaf where the Weather Channel is. We were there for, Years. gosh, most of my career until we moved over to Centrum at Johnson Ferry and Glenridge. And Moby said, I want to have you over to the Moby Manor for dinner. And I thought, wow, what a nice offer. I'm going to get a free meal. I was starving. I hadn't eaten in like four days. And we're going to grill out. We're going to have some hamburgers and some hot dogs. And, and, and I want you to come over to spend the day with us. And again, Moby in my eyes, and still to this day is, just Legend. larger than life. Radio personality. If you're a little snot-nosed kid and you want to get into radio, you knew that name and you knew that talent and you knew that voice. And he was just fun. He was so funny and so fun to hang out with. So we're going, again, I didn't know this at the time, but follow me here in a map. I'm going 285 westbound from Cobb Cloverleaf to 400. Moby lived in Roswell. Didn't know where Roswell was at the time. I saw a sign that said Toll Road and I flipped my crap because I didn't have 50 cents. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And I start breaking out in a sweat and my, my, my palms are, 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 are sweaty because I don't know what, I, how am I going to tell Moby in the morning? I mean, how am I going to flag him down? First of all, how am I going to get through this toll? I don't have 50 cents and just my anxiety is peaking. And I'm like, uh, you know, cell phones were non-existent back then. I couldn't just ring Moby and his Mercedes Benz. You know, I'm trying to keep up with him on 285 Westbound and Say, a, can you four spot door, me? a four door Suzuki sidekick. <laughs> He's just, whoa. Uh, yeah, I needed 50 cents. Well, turns out, as you know, the toll was southbound. Toward Buckhead, which toward. a lot of people probably don't know that 400 used to be a toll road. And, and northbound, there is no toll. Moby lived in Roswell on the banks of the Chattahoochee River. So thank God So I didn't left. have to pay the toll. But I didn't know that until Moby hangs it. You know, I can see him about 15 cars ahead of me. You know, he, he's, he's looking in his rearview mirror wanting to know where the kid is. And this is his sidekick. I can't keep up with him. And I, I can see him in the in far in the distance, turning left to go northbound. And when I figured out, I figured it out. I was like, Yeah, I can do this. I can do this. How would I have explained? How would I have talked my way through the toll had I just blow through it? I did it. Well, I do that. I did that as an adult all right. the time. But you didn't know at the time. I had no idea at the time. So I bet going to his house and just seeing how successful he was, I bet that sort of put a little trigger in your brain too. Like, you know what? I can do this. I want to do this. I want to be like him one day, you know? And I had that in my mind. Yeah. And I, I was able to go at kicks. You know, I spent my entire career there from seven to midnight to afternoon drive, three to seven, and then to morning drive from five to 10 yeah. at the same station. I hit. Didn't You made a little stop though for a while. At, at Y106. Yeah. To do afternoons at right. the time. But it wasn't long at all. No. I was always, they always, because they, Y106 and Kicks are owned by the same company. 
which was just a glorious hallelujah time. And they, they wanted Y to always be number two. And yeah. it was programmed that way. Rhubarb was never going to beat Moby. No, and it, that used to drive Rhubarb Jones crazy. And it would have driven me crazy as well. Rhubarb knew he was always going to be number two because they had to. It was a flanker. The reason why they had both of them was to make sure no other country station came into town. Right. Because no, nobody, even in Atlanta, Georgia, and there's not the sheer right now to support even two country stations. But back in the day, nobody was going to bring in a third country station. No, so they it there was a they could control it. And it's so funny because so when I started at the radio station, I Norm hired me to work for Y one oh six. And so the kicks reps were on one side of the building and they were like it's sort of similar situation. Like they were like, you know, Sarah Hogan, Kathy Cunningham, like these rock star sellers. And to this day remain very good friends of yours right. in our family. Wendy Lupus. I mean, like we all looked up to them and over on the Y side, there were like six of us and we were kind of newbie sellers. They ripped jeans and well, not quite. halter tops. Not quite. But what would happen is when, and again, no cell phone, you know, cell phones weren't that, we weren't using them that prevalently. But at any rate, when Kicks would sell out, like say there was no, there were no more commercials to sell on Kicks, we would run back to our desk because we knew our phones were going to start ringing. If it was a country buy. Exactly. On the Y106 side. Because if somebody, if the Georgia Lottery, for whatever reason, hadn't gotten their buy-in and couldn't get on in kicks, then they were going to run on Y. And so as soon as we heard someone like one of those salespeople, like in the break room, like saying, oh my gosh, we're sold out. I don't know what we're going to do. We'd be like, oh my gosh. And we'd run back to our seats and just start like dialing for dollars. And then eventually... We, you know, long story short, we merged the two stations and I worked for Kicks and Y106, which was a great thing. We basically sold the entire life group in one buy. And you want to talk about the high flying times with Victor Sansone and the, the gang there and those salespeople. It was just, we, we couldn't print money fast enough, you know, because country was on an all time high and we owned the whole country market. Um, it, I think it's probably one of the only markets, maybe maybe Dallas with KSES, but where that was the situation, where one company owned the format in, in a time where you know everything just kind of came together at the right time. The government called it a duopoly, but it was right. really a monopoly. The FCC right. called it a duopoly, meaning yeah. you own the two stations that are competitors. Yeah. What was the highest spot you ever sold? Uh, well, kids. we call it was funny because we called it. Um, there was the twelve hundred dollar club, and we sold a sixty second spot in Morning Drive for twelve hundred dollars for Moby in Moby Show. I think it was Moby. Yeah. yeah, I had a lot of great years with Moby, just doing endorsements, and he was fun to work with too. You know, we he, we would take him out on sales calls, and you know, Moby sang. If you remember this, he would like yes. sing the national anthem and Amazing Grace, and so you would take him out on sales calls to meet with clients. And he would start like <laughs> and clearing his throat, you know, at lunch. And you're like, where, where this is getting ready to happen. And he'd just break in to like amazing grace. And the clients loved it. But every now and then you'd have to sort of like kind of reel him in. Like, you know, got to cut this a little short because he'd go into like the additional verses. You know, you didn't even know that we're on there. But just, just a legend, legend broadcaster. And, you know, Rhubarb passed away. He went on to... um become a professor at Kennesaw State and he passed away and he has just beautiful daughters and um, just left a legacy that in radio that will never ever be you know duplicated there's just there's only one rhubarb 
Just like there's only one Moby, there's only one Cadillac Jack, you know, but he really, really put a stamp on country radio in Atlanta and raised a ton of money for the Leukemia Society. And, you know, again, those were just great, great, great times at the radio station. And for you to have a front row seat to two of the best in that format, definitely impacted. I know for you as a personality, it impacted how you looked at the audience, how you looked at giving back, you know, because um, you did not, uh, interestingly enough, when, when, Mo- when Moby left, or when Moby was, actually he was fired. He was. Um, you were not, everyone thought you were the obvious choice to step in from afternoons and you were not given the job. There were a couple of people, um, Bandy and Bailey and then Craig Cornette that were given the job. And it's funny because you and I have talked about this since then and you never want to be the person that steps in right after a legend. You want to be the person after the person. You want to be the person after the person. You want to let, and that's terrible to say. I'm not saying that you can't have success that way, but okay, Tom Brady is getting ready to probably move on. You know, who's going to be the person? And maybe there's some younger guy out there, maybe Jake Fromm. I don't know. But, you know, it's tough to fill the shoes of someone who has created such a legacy in a job or, or a, you know, has such a platform. So at the time, I know you were very, very disappointed to not get the job. But it is, you know, it's kind of like that Garth Brooks song. Like, what is it? You know, where you don't get the, what is it? You don't get the opportunities. Prayers that are go unanswered. Unanswered prayers. Yes, unanswered prayers. But it's true. Like at the time, I know you were kind of like hurt. Like, you know, here I am in afternoons. I should be getting this job. But it was actually kind of a godsend that you didn't get it because you weren't ready. And you you really were not ready for it. I don't even think you were ready for it in your life at that time. You know, because it's a big, you have to really be ready to do a morning drive job. You know, to get up at 345 to you know, get no sleep by 10, yeah, it, which isn't possible. And you, you were young, kids. you know, you were young at the time. So I'm still young, Donna. No, I know. But I'm just saying like, you were super they young. Were. Think about it. If you start at 19, like you were probably still going out every now and then and doing things. And you really kind of have to set your life aside a little bit, put it on hold to do morning drive. It's not an easy gig by any means. My first gig at kicks, people ask me, do you remember the first time you ever went out? And I do. It was an appearance at Dixie Speedway. Oh, wow. With the Schwinn family and uh, Johnny Clark, the track announcer, who's still up there, and, and we still keep in contact with Johnny. We had what we called the Kicks. What was the big RV? Oh gosh, oh, the Country the, Cruiser, the Star Machine, or something. Uh, yeah, the Star oh, Star Cruiser, the Star. Yes, and it was wrapped all red, white, and blue. And it listen, it didn't. It could not make a turn. And I again had no references to where Woodstock, Georgia was. I didn't know how to get. I'd never been on five seventy five a day in my life, or even seventy five northbound. And so I am given the keys. I didn't know you drove it to your event. Yeah, but you drive, drive the Star Cruiser to your own event and you park it. Set yourself up. Set yourself up and and take pictures and and you know I was just overwhelmed that people. I didn't understand that people wanted pictures and um stuff. So I just that was not even in my. I had no expectation of that at all. I came from Myrtle Beach where there wasn't the excitement that there would be right. if a personality came to your area. And I drove the Star Cruiser back. Shortly thereafter, the Star Cruiser broke down, but ABC refused to buy another one because it was an RV. And it, listen, it had the tires. Were, oh, my gosh. I mean, the tread, you could, it was gone. You know, you couldn't even rest a penny on one of the tires and it totally broke down and they didn't replace it. So what they would do is they would tow it. 
They would tow the Star <laughs> right. Cruiser to to, remote. to Advance Auto in Morrow. And then the tow truck, depending on the distance, but certainly from Marietta to Morrow, the tow truck would just park behind the building. Right. Behind the... And then tow it back to Circle 7. And then, tie, then tow it back. Yeah, it's so funny. Those a lot of some, memories. Those are some good times. A lot of memories. We'll have lots more stories about that kind of stuff. I like that, though. That's kind of the story of you. How you got going. Well, and again, it, it, what it does, Donna, is it shows that if you really want it bad enough and you're willing to make sacrifices, like with food and shit, you know, I mean, then it, you can, you, it can be done. Yeah, you, you can, can do make it. it. Well, and I think for a lot of people, they don't, you know, sometimes you just see people at their, at a certain point in their lives. And I think it's important to know that it took you while you were at Kicks for 26 years. A lot of those years were grinding it out. Yes. When you finally got to mornings, did you make good money? And was it a great gig? Yes. But there was a lot of blood, sweat and tears that went into getting to that moment. Um, it wasn't all easy street, but it was fun. It was. Good run for so both of us. Fun. For both of us at yeah. uh, both of these legendary country stations in yeah. Atlanta. Want to thank uh, Officer Philip Ritchie and Canine Raider for doing the podcast intro uh, today. They are both with the Alpharetta Department of Public Safety. Uh, the team, Ritchie and Raider, are part of the Community Outreach Youth Drug Prevention Team here in Alpharetta. Uh, Raider is a hide and seek champion of the world. And is I'm, that true? Uh huh. No, but uh, yes. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. it is. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm Raider's godfather. Yes. And I remember the day that she came to ADPS, the Alfreda Department of Public Safety, when she was a puppy. She was a runt. And in the world of canine teams, they prefer runts because they're easier to train. And Raider came, um, She's a girl, even with the name Raider. The reason she has Raider is because she spends most of her time at Alfred High School with, right. the, with the teenagers and the young adults, and they're, mass, they're the Raiders. So that's where her name come from, comes from. Um, but I was there the day she came to ADPS, and Richie has become one of my closest friends. Yeah, she, in, they're in so the special since. to but, our family. Um, she is an amazing dog, and she does so much for the community up here in North Fulton County. And um, it's fun to watch her work. It's fun to just have playtime with her. Yeah, it's fun cute. to. Um, and Richie has done such an amazing job, you know, because he really clearly Raiders a dog, but she has such a personality and that's because of Richie. I mean, he has created this persona of her on all of her social channels. And I mean, I just crack up at some of these little videos. She, you know, she's skateboarding, she's shopping, she's. She is the cutest thing in the world. And when, when you see her out and when you see the two of them out, he can't go afoot without somebody coming up and like, oh, is that? And they always ask the same thing, like you were saying earlier, like, is, why is she full grown? Is she, you know, and don't mistake her small size because she is mighty. I mean, fierce when she's on the job. So, and she's an officer. She is an officer All of the law. All are considered officers of the law. Yeah. As they should be. So we are very fortunate to have the entire canine team up here in Alfreda, Georgia. Um, Mattis, canine Mattis, who is one of the German shepherds, was just on live PD last weekend. I mean, yeah. who doesn't love live PD? And Mattis is a contestant now on A&E's new show called America's Top Dog. She's a competitor. He. Mattis is he. He. Sorry. Because Mattis is always flirting with 
Raider. Raider. He's always trying to take her out for like um, a coffee or a cappuccino. So it's so cute to watch their relationship. And Raider won the national TMZ challenge. Yeah, she's famous. And was on TMZ last yeah. month a couple of times. She's so, so famous. We're very uh, proud of uh, of uh, the entire Department of Public Safety up here in Alpharetta. And thank you for your friendship, Richie. And Service. Thank you for and, your service. Uh, yeah, and Raider as well. Raider as well. We do have a small ask of you, and it's three very, very simple things. Um, hit the subscribe button so you won't miss anything coming up during future episodes of the show. And if you have already subscribed, all episodes will automatically be in your podcast feed at midnight on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yep. So when you subscribe, you even get a notification that there's a new episode that you can listen to on the way to work or while you work out during your lunch break or, you know, on your drive home in the afternoon or sit around the kitchen table. And that's the beauty of podcasting, Donna, is you can listen whenever you want. It's not live. I, I've had a couple of people say to me, I missed it. No, you didn't. Yeah, you didn't miss anything. No, you didn't listen. I'm new to all of this. And I know a lot of of, of my friends and, and, and people that have been with me for 26 years are new to this as well. And that's okay. We're going to, we're learning this together. Well, and people have said too, what they've loved the most about it is that they can pause it. You know, when they pull into their office or if they're picking up in carpool or whatever, and then later they can start it right back up. You haven't missed a thing, you know. So um, we're going to keep people on time because you used to have people say, I had to wait in the parking lot or I couldn't go into my office because I couldn't, you know, I had to hear what I didn't want to miss what you were going to say. Well, now you just pause it. Go do what you got to do. Pick it back up. Pick it right back up. On your schedule. Yes. Find the time to rate and leave five-star reviews for the pod. I know that release week, you were monitoring the stats and the reviews and the stars. and Yeah, they're very kind, very kind people. And we appreciate it. And it helps us. It, you know, it, it does help people find it. It helps it show up on um, Apple charts. I mean, it, it does help. So I've been joking about this, but I'm just not going to say it's a joke anymore. If you don't like it, call us, leave us a message and let us know what we can do differently. But just don't, don't, give, don't give us a bad review. And show our sponsors some love. Please. It's how this works. Yeah. We'll be back soon with another episode. I must apologize to Ben Burnett. We ran out of time. You can check out his podcast, The Ben Burnett Show, and we will try to rebook him uh, as soon as we can on Cadillac Jack, my second act, part of the Appen Podcast Network. <laughs>